Week 12 kicked up with five MAC games on Tuesday and will continue tonight. The real action starts early Saturday as Michigan State faces Ohio State in a massive Big Ten tilt. The loser will be out of the conference and college football playoff championship picture. Oklahoma looks to get back on track as it faces Iowa State in a Big 12 game. Our college cappers take you to school on these games and all others. Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. It is week 12. It is part one. That's right. We are discussing the early slate. Today, we're going to break down some weeknight games and, of course, the early morning slate or the noon slate for those on the East Coast. Uh, we've got a lot of big games. A lot of big games to discuss. Only two games left in, or sorry, sorry, excuse me, two weeks left in the regular season. Let me slow my roll. I'm very excited right now. Of course, I'm talking very fast. I can already feel it, but there, we got a lot to discuss today. I'll go ahead and tell you I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. Let's, uh, let's bring in the experts. On the left side, you'll see Parker Fleming. He's our numbers guy, our numerical guru, as I like to call him. Stats, analytics, whatever you'd like to say. You can follow him again at Stats of War on Twitter. Uh, Parker, uh, rough week last week, but, but... I think we have renewed hope this week. I, I looked at these numbers, and personally, I, I feel like you did as well. I feel really good about a lot of these numbers this week. It feels like maybe maybe the, the books were just giving us some numbers here, right? <laughs> I like some this week. Gary, I'm, and I'm all business these last two weeks of uh, the season. Let me tell you how business I am. I almost wore a blazer and a tie on the show to prove how business I was, but that was going to be distracting. That's how business I am is I didn't even do the bit about how business I am for these last two weeks. So, yeah, I'm feeling good, man. I got some good picks, got some good games ready to talk about them. Uh, we can't handle that much of a distraction. That'd be too <laughs> handsome, too stylish. We can't handle it. We got to just keep it keep it comfortable. Keep it comfortable. So I'm, I'm all with you. On the right side, we got Kyle Hunter, and uh, and he is typically on the right side of his bets, of course. Uh, fantastic numbers thus far this season. You can follow him on Twitter, at Kyle Hunter Picks. He is our award-winning professional handicapper. Kyle, uh, you know, you are just rocking and rolling, my friend. How are you feeling this week? Guys, I like this week. I think there's some good games this week. I'm excited about several of these, and I think we've all found some good value this week. There's been some of the weeks where it's like, man, this is tough, but I, I like the I like the card this week. Same here. We've got a lot of games to discuss. Before we get into it, let me go ahead and tell you, you need to sign up over at BetUS where the game begins and use the promo code NCAAF2021. It's going to get you 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500, and it is sportsbook exclusive. Look, we've got college basketball rolling right now. We've got NBA going. There's always UFC fights happening. There's boxing matches. I mean, all kinds of stuff. It's sportsbook exclusive when you get that bonus using the promo code. So go ahead and sign up. We got a lot of games to bet on. We got a lot of things to bet on. So jump in and make sure that you are signed up. Again, the promo code NCAAF2021. We do have several people in the chat already. Alex, PMAT, Steven, uh, Big Trouble Jack. I mean, all kinds of guys that are already in there. We appreciate you for being here. If you have not already, go ahead and like the video for us. That certainly helps us out every single week. Uh, those likes equate to algorithmic whatevers. 
I don't know what all the technical stuff is, but I, I've been told that it helps us. So go ahead and like the video and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. We are growing at a fantastic rate, and you guys are the reason for that. We certainly appreciate you being here with us. Uh, like the video, share it out, tell your friends, jump into the comments, of course, and we are going to do a Q&A at the end of every show. When we do that Q&A, we're going to be taking questions from the chat. So any games that we do not discuss today for that early slate, that'd be weeknight games and about the 12 o'clock uh, menu on Saturday, any of those games that you want us to give a quick opinion on, we will certainly do it. Jump into the chat with that. Uh, with that said, let's do a recap over what we have done thus far this season. I'll go ahead and tell you last week, I went 3-3-1, three, three, and one. Kyle went 2-2, two, and two. Parker went 2-4, and four, and that puts us to an overall record of myself, 40 wins, 34 losses, and 4 pushes. Kyle is sitting at 32 wins and 23 losses. And Parker, 40 wins, 47 losses, and 3 pushes on the season. 112, 104, and 7. Uh, we are still above water. So that's good. That's good. I think it's okay. So um, let's see. Let's go ahead and, and dive into the first game of the day, and that would be the Wednesday night action game that, personally, I am looking the most forward to, Central Michigan, heading to Ball State. Ball State is a two-and-a-half-point underdog now, and that is juiced at minus 105, a total of 57 here. So if you want to take the favorite, Central Michigan, it's going to be juiced at minus 115. This is interesting. This line opened at Central Michigan as a two-point underdog. Central Michigan is now a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Ball State won this matchup last year 45-20. to 20. Both teams are 2-2 two and two straight up and against the spread in their last four against each other. And the underdog has won the matchup each of the last four times. That's pretty incredible. Central Michigan 8-1-2 against the spread their last 11 as a road favorite of less than three points. Central Michigan 14-2-1 against the spread in their last 17 Wednesday games. Now, I just had to bring out the, the crazy betting trends, of course. Ball State on the other side, 0-5 against the spread in their last five Wednesday games. Uh, Ball State 1-5 against the spread in their last six in November. There's a lot of things that are pointing Central Michigan's way, which is why the line has shifted four and a half points. Parker, I want to go on and get you in here first. Uh, there are sizable advantages in a couple of different metrics for Central Michigan in this game. Uh, first being 20-plus uh, yard plays downfield. Central Michigan's number 21 in that regard. Uh, and... Central Michigan's stuff rate is number 25. They are really, really rolling right now. I, I think that's the main reason why the line has shifted. How, uh, how do you feel about this one? Well, I definitely got this as um, uh, Central Michigan with, with some points uh, earlier this week. So there's a lot of value kind of in the opening line. Um, I, I have this as, you know, in my metrics, just a complete toss up. So again, Wednesday night games, give me, just give me heck in all, all ways, uh, and shapes. And so I, I generally am, am, uh, you know, I have this 31 to 31 almost exactly. Um, and so I don't even know that I have a lean here. I really like what central Michigan has been able to do on offense ninth in EPA per play since week five, um, eighth in passing, passing 30th and rushing and, uh, really, really good on early downs. 12th overall in early downs EPA, Ball State has is 73rd in early downs EPA. So I really do think that um, Central Michigan will be able to move the ball a bunch. Of course, Ball State does have a, a pretty decent quarterback in Drew Plitt. There's there's always, you know, uh, weeknight magic that can happen. But um, I, I definitely like Central Michigan's offense to be the strongest unit on the field here. 
I tend to feel the same way. Kyle, I went, uh, I went ahead and looked it up. Of course, a lot of people have been talking about your weather prognostications. Uh, we're going to have rain in Muncie, Indiana tonight, and it looks like we're going to have 16-mile-an-hour wind gusts, 10-mile-an-hour uh, winds throughout the evening. It, it could hurt the passing. It could hurt the passing a little bit. Uh, but I don't know that that's necessarily going to affect Central Michigan with Lou Nichols the third. He has just been a wrecking ball lately. And Ball State, I mean, their defense, number 82 in stuff rate, uh, that ain't good. That ain't good. So I, I'm feeling good about this one. You uh, you got a feel on it. Gary took me on the weather report there. <laughs> uh, I do think this matching game should be affected at least somewhat by that weather. Uh, 15 miles per hour sustained winds. Uh, showers early in the game turns into steadier rain late in the game, which uh, you know could mean again that later in the game it would be uh, better for the under. We've seen this total get bet pretty hard to the under, which makes sense to me. Uh, 62 was the total. It's gone down to 57. So big move both on the side and the total in this game. Central Michigan defense is 38th in yards per carry allowed, but 119th in opponent QBR. So I think it helps them if it rains in this game and things get a bit more conservative because the way that Ball State could beat them would be through the air, likely. Um, you know, this is the second best run defense in the MAC in Central Michigan. And obviously things are kind of graded on a curve in the MAC. You know, there's not great defenses in the MAC. But, you know, will Ball State be able to throw the ball in the rain? Uh, you know, Plitt is, is pretty good, but he is inconsistent. You know, I, I don't know what we're going to get out of Plitt from one night to the next. Uh, Ball State's a defense that ranks fourth best in the country in explosiveness allowed, yet here they are 118th in success rate allowed. So they're just kind of letting you nickel and dime them all the way down the field. Um, I, I think Central Michigan probably wins this game. Central Michigan is 17th in explosiveness. Uh, Pimpleton by himself is extremely explosive. I'm going to lean Central Michigan in this game. I'm not just going to lean it. I'm going to make it official. I'm rolling Central Michigan minus the two and a half. Already bet it when they were plus two. Uh, I still feel good at minus two and a half, especially with the weather the way that it is. I, I think they are the significant uh, better team in this spot. So Central Michigan minus two and a half is the official play for me. And that is going to move us into the Thursday night game. It is a standalone game, of course, competing with the NFL. Um, but we've got Louisville headed to Duke. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday night. And the Cardinals, a 20-point road favorite. The total is 60-and-a-half. Now, I did look up the weather. I don't think we got anything to worry about there. Uh, these two teams have only met twice before, which I found very surprising considering, you know, they are both in the ACC. Now, granted, Louisville is a newer member. Uh, but they met in 2016 and 2002. Louisville won both meetings. Louisville 8-2 and two straight up, 7-3 and three against the spread their last 10 as a favorite. Uh, Duke has lost six straight. They have not covered in their last four. In the last four games that they have played, they have lost by an average of 35 and a half points. They are getting destroyed right now. Uh, Louisville, number 62 net points per drive. Um, Duke is number 115 in that metric. Parker, I'm going to go back to you on this one. I, I really, really think that Louisville found something last week against Syracuse. Obviously, there was the extra juice from having Lamar Jackson back on campus, all that. Uh, but more so, this this may be a bet against Duke, even as the Thursday night home underdog. Uh, unless David Cutcliffe comes up with something to motivate his players, it kind of looks like they have checked out. Do you kind of feel the same way? 
Yeah, it's. I mean, again, it's hard to use that word and that language on on college athletes for me, but that does seem to a little bit be the case. Duke since week five, 122nd in EPA per play margin, um, just really kind of falling apart here. Doesn't doesn't really do um, anything well at, at all, frankly. Um, I, I think that what I'm when I'm looking at Duke and I'm looking at Louisville, I, I think that I'm realizing that Louisville's a little bit underrated this season. They've been erratic, and so that definitely contributes to you know some of their spot losses. But on the whole, their their, their defense especially has been a lot better than I, I thought it would be. They're 17th against the rush um, in EPA. And uh, 81st against the pass, but teams are uh, really rushing against them a lot. So so I, I really think that Louisville is kind of last week against Syracuse was able to say, hey, against the worst team, we can do what we want. We can find our advantages. And for, for a team that's, you know, been a little bit middling uh, for the last couple of years, I think that's a really good step forward to say, hey, we have a vision and we can implement it against teams that are worse than us. I expect them to do a lot of the same this week uh, as well. Um, when I'm looking at their offense, 36th in EPA per pass, but they're rushing at 65.4% per, er, percent of early downs. That's 55th, uh, or excuse me, that's 120th in the nation. They're 55th in EPA per rush. So it'd be interesting to see if they don't use this as a playground a little bit to try and see if they can get the pass game going against the Duke defense that's 120th in EPA per pass and 105th in passing success rate. And they should have a ton of success here. Uh, Duke, number 102 in defensive adjusted sack rate. Uh, they're not going to be able to make Cunningham uncomfortable. Like, that's that's where people have had success with slowing down Louisville is being able to get to him. And if you can't get to him, then he's going to be able to throw all day. Uh, another stat that I looked at, Duke is dead last in the FBS in 20-plus yard plays allowed. Uh, Louisville should be able to just ring him up here. I am going to make it official. I'm going to roll Louisville minus 20. I've had some success in these weeknight games. I feel like I've got a good idea on this one. I think Louisville wins this by four touchdowns. So I am all in on the Cardinals at minus 20. That is going to move us to Friday night. And we're just rolling through the weeknight games. I love this. Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time. We've got Air Force headed to Nevada. And, of course, the Wolfpack, a one-and-a-half point favorite at home. Total of 52-and-a-half. These two teams last met in 2018 and 2017. Uh, Nevada covered both of them, uh, but the teams were one and one straight up in those matchups. Air Force six and three against the spread in their last nine. However, in their last three games, they are one and two against the number. Nevada seven and three against the spread this season. They are three and two against the number at home. So no real discernible betting trend with this. Um, Air Force is number 15 in defensive 20 plus yard plays allowed. Uh, they're number 18 in defensive adjusted sack rate. If they can get to Carson Strong, I think they can have some success in this ballgame. Parker, I want to I wanna bring you back in before we get to Kyle, uh, because I think Kyle has a, a good, strong idea of which direction this game is going to go. Um, Nevada is number 103 in stuff rate. I, I don't know that they will be able to have a ton of success stopping Air Force. I, I know you don't like to talk about time of possession per se, but Air Force really good at having successful drives, right? Yeah, I mean, Air, Air, Air Force is very much your prototypical uh, service academy here. That you know, they're they're going to rush the ball a lot. They're going to have long drives. Um, one, one of that one 
one of the reasons they have long drives is kind of an artifact of their field position with, you know, that factors in defense and special teams, but they're 92nd in starting field position on offense, whereas Nevada is 44th in, in field position allowed here. So I, I really think this is going to end up being kind of a, a test of the model for me here. This game specifically, I have this as Nevada, uh, Nevada winning pretty, pretty substantially, but it makes me very nervous because I, I dive through the stats. I'm like, okay, I look at, you know, teams have mostly run against Air Force and Nevada's a really good passing team. They're not going to run at all. It just makes me nervous to kind of see what they'll be able to do generally. I do think that Nevada's defense is undervalued. I have them at 22nd in EPA, and those rushing numbers look bad, but they're seeing a lot of rushing volume. And so I wonder if against Air Force, where they know that Hazeek Daniels is not going to pass, Air Force 92nd EPA per pass, if Nevada can't find some complementary kind of scheme to make sure they have an extra guy in the box, maybe a couple extra guys in the box to kind of stop this service academy attack from air force knowing that the downfield threat is not there like it has been in in, in some years um i expect nevada to score almost at will here but i do expect this to be a slow game um this is this is definitely one of those ones we talk about where i will not bet money so i will not win money on it but i will win information regardless of what happens in this game you have certainly got that right kyle uh carson strong i mean there is a good chance that he goes off here uh, the only similar passing attack that Air Force has faced this season, they lost to Utah State early in the year. Other than that, their losses were to Army and San Diego State, two teams that don't throw the ball at all. Um, but Nevada, of course, not close to as talented defensively as those two teams. Um, this, I mean, they gave up 448 passing yards and five touchdowns to Utah State early in the season. Uh, tell me, Tell me which direction you're going here. So, Gary, there, there were a couple things I like about this game. Um, I had a strong lean to the over in this one, and I nearly played the over. Uh, ended up playing the side instead. I still leaned to the over because I think both offenses will be successful. Air Force is a team I respect a lot, and I don't like betting against Air Force, to be honest. Uh, I do think this is a tough matchup for them, though. If you look down through the teams they've played, which you guys alluded to, who can throw the football that they've played against? Utah State. You could argue Boise State is okay at passing the football, but just about everybody else is really weak in the passing game. And you look at Nevada, number seven passing offense at PFF. This is by far the best passing offense they've faced yet. Carson Strong is tremendous. Uh, Romeo Dobbs is a superstar. He caught 19 passes for 203 yards against Fresno State. Utah State putting up that kind of yardage on Air Force is definitely a, a sign of concern for Air Force in this game. Uh, you know, Air Force plays so many teams that are so run heavy. They play the triple option team so much. It's really hard for them to slow down. Very good passing attacks. I just don't see them stopping Carson Strong in this passing attack. Now, like I said, I do. I am concerned a bit about Nevada's defense uh, against the uh, the run because Nevada has allowed quite a few. Uh, rushing plays success 113th and success rate at the at the end of the day though uh, Nevada's unbeaten at home uh, they're 27 and one against the spread at home in their last 28 games they're also 12 three and one against the spread in their last 16 off of a loss so I like Nevada in this one I think that this uh, uh, Wolfpack team can come through here uh, with their passing game having a ton of success I tend to like it let's make it an official play Kyle is going to ride the Wolfpack at minus one and a half. I, uh, I like it. I cannot disagree. I wanted to bet Air Force so badly, and, and I kept looking at these numbers and could not do it. Uh, 
so I I would lean the other direction as well. I would go Nevada as well, but I'm I'm not going to play it. I can't go against the troops, man. Uh, we we are going to move on to Saturday, 12 p.m. Eastern time, and this is a big one. It is the ABC noon game. Michigan State heading to Ohio State, and the Buckeyes are a 19-point favorite at home, total of 68.5. The number has gone up. Uh, Ohio State won this last year 52-12, to and it wasn't just last year. They are now 4-0 and straight up and against the spread, their last four against Michigan State. They have won those four games against the Spartans by an average of 32.25 points per game. This has not been close, like even remotely close. Now, I will say this is a different Spartans team than those last four have been, but, you know, Michigan State caught them at one point back in, what, 2015, I think it was, when D'Antonio was still there, and they have kind of just blasted the Spartans ever since then. Uh, You look at some of these numbers, um, the first number we'll bring up is we now have reports that Mel Tucker is looking to sign a 10-year, $95 million deal So, of course, that news comes out the week before the Ohio State game. Makes absolute perfect sense. Uh, Michigan State 7-2-1 against the spread this season. 2-0 against the spread as a road dog. Uh, Ohio State 5-2 against the spread in their last seven. However, they are 1-2 in their last three. Kyle, I want to start off with you on this. Um, When I look at these passing defense numbers for Michigan State, it is incredibly concerning that I, I almost don't know how they slow down Ohio State. The best option might be uh, to keep the ball away from them, and maybe they can do that with Kenneth Walker. Uh, what, what do you see happening here? Yeah, Ohio State's offense, when it's clicking, is really something else. This is a tremendous offense. Um, the wide receivers are so good. Maybe the best wide receivers Ohio State has had. Uh, Smith and Jigba is considered their third best receiver. And you could pick just about any other top 25 team, you know, the majority of top 25 teams, and he'd be the top receiver on that team. Uh, Henderson's a star in the backfield. Stroud's come into his own. I know a lot of Buckeyes fans were kind of tough on him at the beginning of the year, but he's played well, especially for a youngster. Um, Michigan State, 100th in the nation, a passing play success rate allowed. That does not bode well against this Ohio State team, which has been throwing the ball a lot more lately than they did early in the season as well. Ohio State's second in the nation in pass play success rate, and they're third in yards per carry. So they can do it either way, and I think they will do it both ways against Michigan State. I don't think Michigan State's going to stop Ohio State very often at all in this game. Uh, The other side of the ball, as a Buckeyes fan, I still don't trust the Buckeyes defense. You know, they gave up a bunch of yards and points against Purdue last week. I hate that I passed on my strong lane to the over last week in that game. That was a missed opportunity, guys, and I was kicking myself during that game. It almost covered the over in the first half. Um, I'm going to go to the over here in this one. I hate that this one's gone up throughout the week. Obviously, it would be nice if uh, if the line had been a bit lower. But the Buckeyes' defense still concerns me. They're 70th in coverage grade at PFF, uh, definitely a weak secondary. They're 24th in run defense grade. I do think Kenneth Walker could probably hit some big gainers here and there. He's pretty good in the passing game as well. Thorne has been better than I expected from Michigan State. And I see this as a game where Ohio State is playing from the lead. I don't think Ohio State's going to take their foot off the gas. I mean, this is the time of the year that, I mean, you want to try to score if you can score. And that being the case, Michigan State's going to be playing quickly from behind. 
I think they'll have opportunities to score late. These two teams are 42nd and 43rd in the country in tempo, so fast-paced game. Um, I would think Ohio State wins this game uh, fairly convincingly, but I like the O for the best. I I can understand that. Certainly looking at these numbers, um, uh, Parker, Ohio State number two in 20-plus yard plays on offense. Michigan State number 90 in 20-plus yard plays allowed. Uh, I think we are going to see some explosiveness here. At Michigan State in the last three games, giving up six and a half yards per play. Ohio State is averaging 7.2 yards per play in those last three games. Uh, you got a you got a feel on this one? I, I really really like Ohio State here. I think that Michigan State has been kind of outplaying their um, excuse me outplaying their record for the last couple of weeks, and I, I think that they're a very solid team. That's not to knock what they have, but I don't think they're anywhere close to what Ohio State has been the last couple of weeks. Uh, a big stat that stands out to me: Kenneth Walker, seventy two percent of his yards. So he has about fourteen hundred on the on the season. About a thousand of those have, have come after contact. And um, in the last three games, Purdue, Nebraska, and Penn State, uh, Ohio State has allowed only 42, 41, and 50 total yards after contact. So I, I really think that they have been pretty good against some decent rushers in there, kind of stopping that that after contact threat. And so I think that if you look at Ohio State being a lot more dominant up front than Michigan State is, Ohio State, even though their secondary is weak, recovering when when guys do get get hit and and, and are uh, you know trying to break off a big run um, I think there's an inherent ceiling on what Michigan State is going to be able to do on offense here I don't trust Peyton Thorne to win the game and I think that Ohio State's going to get up big um, because of their you know explosive offense and I think that they're going to have to um, uh, I think Michigan State's going to have to pass to win, and I just don't think they're going to be able to do that. One thing about Michigan State's rush game, which is is vaunted, because Kenneth Walker is really, really good. They're only 62nd in EPA per rush, and they're 93rd in rushing success rate. They are entirely volume rushing here. And against Ohio State, again, that's a little bit like digging your own grave, especially early on. If you go slow and you don't have a lot of – you're just waiting for that big play to hit, that's a recipe for you to get down early uh, and get down quick. The last thing I'll say here, not that this is quantifiable, but – we are well into the deep end of not taking your foot off the brakes territory for Ohio State. They have a loss. Ryan Day knows this. They can make the playoff if they just take care of business. They are going to try and score every single drive they can. There will be no slowing down. I like Ohio State. I like I like the uh, I like them to cover. I also would lean towards an over. Absolutely, Kyle. Oh yes, big time. I, I certainly lean the over. Uh, let's make it official. We'll go ahead and do that. We've got two plays on this one. Kyle is going to roll with the over 68 and a half. Of course, he liked it when it was a uh, smaller number, but we'll still take the 68 and a half. That's fine. And Parker is going to take Ohio State minus 19. That is under three touchdowns. Uh, as Steve Sarkeesian would say, all gas, no breaks from Ohio State <laughs> this weekend. Um, let me go ahead and remind everybody, now that we are you know, halfway through the show, 30 minutes in, whatever it is, Make sure and like the video. There are more people watching than have liked it. So click that thumbs up button. Certainly helps us out. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. That is every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time and every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. You know what? Let me correct that. Next week, we are actually doing a marathon live show on Wednesday. We are going live, I believe, at 4 p.m. Eastern time. And we're going to do as many games as it takes to get through the Thanksgiving slate because we will not be here on Thursday. So a lot to discuss next week. It's going to be a longer show than usual. Make sure and hit the notification bell. That is going to help you out next week. Also, if you're going to be traveling, et cetera, 
make sure and download the podcast next week. Uh, you can download this week's podcast, of course, but subscribe to that thing. You will get the NFL and the college football shows. Uh, it is just the BetUS football show on whatever your favorite podcast app is, whether that is Apple Podcast, Google, Stitcher, blah, blah, blah. It's all out there, whatever your podcast app is. Spotify, I think, is the other big one. Uh, go ahead and knock that out. Uh, again, we do have a show tomorrow, Thursday, 12 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure and jump in. We are going to discuss the afternoon and the evening slate games. With that said, uh, any Q&A? I don't see any. I think a lot of people uh, like the picks thus far, and we certainly appreciate that. Let's dive into an ACC matchup, also at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Wake Forest heading over to Clemson, South Carolina. Clemson is a four-and-a-half-point favorite at home, total of 56-and-a-half. Clemson, 37-13 winners last season against Wake Forest. They have won 12 straight against the Demon Deacons, but they are 6-and-6 six six against the spread in that time. Wake is 5-2 and two against the spread their last seven against Clemson. Uh, all of those spreads were greater than 20 points. So, of course, last year, I believe Clemson was a 30-point a favorite, somewhere around there, and this year they are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And they're actually at home this year. Uh, that is a sizable drop-off. Just absolutely ridiculous. You look at some of these numbers. Um, well, I guess the first thing we should mention here is Justin Ross is now out for the season. Foot injury. Uh, it's not like the offense was doing a ton anyway, but you hate to lose a guy that is that talented for sure. Uh, Kyle, I look at some of this. You know, Clemson just has not been able to cover numbers this year. DJ was not good even against UConn last week. Clemson only had a 30% success rate against the Huskies last week. I mean, that is just putrid. And it's not that Wake Forest has a good defense. I just don't know that you can get away with playing that poorly on offense when you know that the other team is going to eventually find the end zone. You uh, you got a feel on this one, Kyle? Yeah, you know, I, I could totally understand uh, where you guys are coming from in this one. And I don't want to spoil exactly what you guys are going to say, but I uh, because of Gary and Parker's thoughts on this game, I feel the need to at least play devil's advocate at least part of the time here. Um, you know, Clemson has quietly started running the, the football pretty well, guys. Um, they can't pass. We know they can't pass. But they're up to 4.34 yards per carry in ACC play. And Wake Forest run defense is a major problem. So I would think Clemson can run the football in this game. Uh, Wake Forest allowing almost five yards per carry on the year. 115th in the nation in rushing, rushing play success rate allowed. Uh, I think Clemson can move the ball on the ground. Now, the two teams are almost dead even in yards per play margin on the season. I'm surprised this line has moved up to four and a half, to be honest. Uh, Clawson's a machine in general, a great underdog coach, 46 and 34 against the spread. So, you know, in this one, if I had to bet it, I'd bet Wake Forest. But this is one of those games that makes me feel a little bit uh, uncomfortable. I mean, you know, Wake Forest has not played a great schedule. Wake Forest didn't look great when they stepped up in class. Uh, the last time they did. And, uh, you know, Clemson, we've talked about them so many times this year, guys. Uh, their talent's better than what they've played. And Clemson's defense is still very good. So it's it's a challenge for the Wake offense. Uh, I, I would have to lean Wake Forest, but you guys have stronger opinions than me here. Uh, to me, this is a great offense against a great defense and a bad offense against a bad defense. Uh, there's It's strength on strength and, and non-strength on non-strength, really. Um, I'm with you on the the running attack. They got Will Shipley back, and he has certainly improved things for that Clemson rushing attack. Uh, Parker, I want to get your thoughts here. 
you know, I'm looking at some of this. Wake is number nine in net points per drive. Clemson is number 46. They're number 110 in offensive points per drive. Um, you know, even with three turnovers last week against NC State, which I think was the best defense that Wake Forest has played, uh, they were still able to get inside the NC State 40-yard line nine times. Uh, that many scoring opportunities, you're going to be able to find the end zone quite a bit. Uh, Wake has has scored at least 35 in every game. I mean, they are just they are rolling. Um, give me your thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, schedule schedule adjustments obviously matter, but I have no. I have NC State as the 20th uh, defense in EPA per play, and Clemson as 18th. So there's not as big of a drop box uh, drop off there as you would think. I mean, again, you cover up the name on the jersey, and this team looks like somebody who has no business being fl- favored over Wake Forest. Um, I, I think that. The question is not, will Wake Forest score? The question is, will Wake Forest score enough to be sufficiently annoying to Clemson and get them to quit? Uh, Again, there's that word I hate (laughs) using, but I think that if Wake Forest comes out and does what they do, which is explosive offense, and Clemson has one or two missteps, this thing could get a little weird really, really quickly. Um, and so, I, I mean, Wake Forest has demonstrated their offense is very, very good. They demonstrated they they can win in a basketball game, right? Like they can they can win a last possession has it um, game. And and I do not trust Clemson to win that kind of game at all. I do think they'll try and slow down a bunch. They're they're only 47th in early downs rush rate. Clemson is 51.5% of the time. I expect them to run a lot more in this game and try and slow things down. But you look at some stats, I mean, Clemson 62nd in points per quality possession um, on offense. They're they're 97th and third and fourth down success on offense, 89th and early downs EPA. I, I mean, I, obviously, I feel like these stats are more informative about the offense as opposed to the defense when I'm kind of comparing them. Wake Forest offense or defense isn't very good, but I, I think they'll be sufficiently uh I think they'll be sufficiently confident against this Clemson offense to keep this game close, if not get Wake Forest outright. So I, I like Wake Forest to cover, especially that it's gotten to four and a half. And I like a little action on Wake Forest money line as well. You read some of the stuff that's coming out of Winston-Salem. Uh, Wake Forest certainly feels like a dog here. They feel like they want to get this win. Remember, uh, it's been 12 straight uh, that Clemson has beaten Wake Forest. And you read up in Winston-Salem, and they are looking to get that monkey off their back. The thing that really kind of made me lean this direction was how fired up Arkansas was to get the win last week over LSU when the game, in the grand scheme of things, didn't necessarily mean all that much. But when you saw that outpouring of emotion after the game, after the overtime, they were fired up. It'll be the same thing here with Wake Forest. I I like them to win this game straight up, uh, so I will certainly take four and a half points. I, I got it at four. It's moved against me. I, I'll take it again at four and a half. I feel strongly about this Wake Forest team. Uh, so let's make it official. Parker and I both are going to ride with Wake Forest plus four and a half. Let's, uh, let's move on. We're going to stay in the ACC. And this one is going to be very interesting for some uh, season win total bets, I would say. Florida State heads to Boston College. The Eagles are a two-point favorite at home, total of 54 and a half. You know, Phil Djokovic... Back in the fold again with uh, with the Eagles, they are they are rocking and rolling with him for sure. Uh, these two teams last met 2019. Florida State won 38 to 31. Florida State has won nine of the last ten against Boston College. They are four and one against the spread in the last five against them. Uh, guys to look out for here: Zay Flowers against that Florida State secondary. Um, Zay only had two catches against Georgia Tech last week, but it was a 43 yard per catch average. That's uh, that's not too shabby. 
not too shabby. Florida State, 4-2, and two, straight up 3-3 three and three against the spread in their last three games. Uh, sorry, their last six games. They have improved. They got a big win over Miami last week. Um, you know, you look at uh, look at what Boston College has done with Phil at quarterback. They are 3-0 and oh against the spread this season. They've only had him for three full games. I, you know, I, I, got a, I got a couple of ideas which direction I would lean on this, but I ultimately decided to stay away from it. Kyle, I want to get your thoughts here. Um, this Boston College defense is not awful. You uh, you got to read on this. Yeah, I'm not going to make a play on this one, but I do lean pretty strongly to the over here. Uh, I think this total is a little bit too low based on what I've seen from these two quarterbacks lately. Jordan Travis is playing really well. You know, this guy has uh, been pretty impressive. We know he has the ability to run at any time, but he's been passing a lot better here of late, um, taking a lot more shots downfield. Travis has an A dot of more than 10 yards in each of his last three games. So uh, they're taking some chances, and he's at only 1.6% turnover-worthy plays, which is impressive, certainly. Boston College offense, so much better with uh, Yurkovich back. Uh, coming back, uh, probably his best game last week at Boston College. He played tremendous. Uh, PFF graded that game, out, uh, that game out at a whopping 92.3. Uh, in 20 passes last week, guys, uh, he had an A dot of 18.1. Uh, one of the biggest numbers you'll ever see, certainly. So uh, I think Boston College has just kind of decided they're going to take some shots downfield. I think it'll probably work. At the same time, I don't really trust Boston College defense to stop Florida State. Like I said, Jordan Travis has been playing extremely well. So I have no real lean on the side here, but I, I lean pretty strongly to the over. I can uh, I can side with that. Boston College, uh, their defense, they don't allow a ton of explosive plays. They are number 28 in that regard of allowing 20-plus yard plays downfield. Uh, Boston College is number 93 in stuff rate. Like, Florida State can have success on the ground here. Uh, Parker, you know, hey, get in here and tell me about this. Florida State, number 55 in defensive-adjusted sack rate. Uh, will they be able to get to Phil? What can they do to make him uncomfortable? What uh, What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I mean, this this game is interesting to me just because um, I, I think that if you threw the records out the window, you, you would you would like Florida State a little bit more. Uh, I think Florida State is the best four and six team in the in the country. I think that they are improving vastly. Um, I think that the metrics are, are really good, and a lot of what's drugging, drag, drug, drugging, dragged them down <laughs> this season is uh, can y'all can y'all tell I'm from Tennessee? Sorry. There you go. Um, what's what's kind of dragged them down is. The um, kind of some nonsense early on, some special teams, some kind of, I'll say, extracurricular, just nonsense on the field. Not the, you know, line up, drive 25 yards or stop a team from, or drive 75 yards or stop a team from, from driving 75 yards. And I think that their play has become more reflective uh, of, of their quality the last couple of weeks. On offense and defense, very balanced, 53rd and, and 55th. BC obviously skewed 108th in offense. That, that's been a little bit better the last couple of weeks with Phil back, 59th in defense. The compliments here again, you know, I'm always talking about complimentary football. This is what I'm, this is what I'm thinking about here. Uh, EPA per pass, Boston College's defense, 16th uh, overall in EPA per pass. Florida State's offense is only 44th. But Florida State is running the ball 61.4% of the time on early downs, and they're 54th in EPA per rush. So they are volume rushing, and they're doing it relatively successfully. They are um, – uh, and Boston College is 99th in EPA per rush, and they are 80th uh, – excuse me, 101st in, in, in rushing success rate. So I think Florida State will be able to sustain long drives. I think they'll be able to move the ball 
um, well and kind of especially with rushing on early downs, they'll be able to avoid those those third and long situations, which is where Boston College's pass defense can really, really shine. They're 39th and third and fourth down success. On the flip side, when I compare Boston College's strength on offense is obviously passing with fillback. Florida State, 41st in EPA per pass and 72nd in EPA per rush. So I expect Boston College to pass a lot more than they have, but that's kind of playing to Florida State's strength. They've got some athletes back there. So um, I think this will be a close one back and forth. My model actually has Florida State outright, so I'll take them plus two points uh, for sure. I like it. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and make that official. Parker riding with the Seminoles, plus two on the road. Uh, look, I, I'm, I'm pulling for you, Parker, because I want you to win. I want your record to, to be great, but I've got a, a pretty sizable ticket on Florida State under five and a half on the season. So, it, you know, it, either Florida or Boston College, somebody just needs to give, you know, the, the Norvell bunch that last L for me. But, uh, but I can ride with you this weekend. Florida State plus two for Parker. Let's dive into some Big Ten action. And, of course, it doesn't get any more Big Ten than a noon game Rutgers at Penn State, it will be gray. It will be uh, very dreary, I would imagine. But Penn State, a 17-point favorite, total of 46-and-a-half. Um, you know, I, I look at this, and I think, okay, like Rutgers kind of got things rolling last week. That was certainly a good win for them. Um, Penn State won last year 23-7, to and it turns out Penn State 7-0 and all-time against Rutgers, uh, 4-3 and against the spread in those seven games. They did not cover in three straight before they covered last season. Penn State did. Um, looking at, at overall just betting trends, Rutgers 4-1 and one against the spread on the road this season. They are 2-4 and four against the spread in their last six games, but they are 2-1 and one in their last three. Um, Penn State, 3-7 and seven against the spread, their last 10 at home against the Big Ten. Like They just do not cover against the Big Ten for whatever reason. Um, Parker, I want to start off with you on this one. Penn State has found ways to have success without being able to run the football. It looks like they are certainly going to have to do that again. Rutgers number seven in stuff rate in the country. I, I was shocked when I had to go back and do a double take on that number. Uh, but yeah, they have really been able to, to slow teams up at the line of scrimmage. Uh, give me your thoughts on this. This one's hard because it's just like a classic college football spot where Penn State was up very, very late against Michigan and they lost on a big play. And you just kind of wonder where their head is going to be at, especially because they have Ohio State next weekend as well and a huge game here. Um, 17 and a half is a lot for Penn State. They, um, I mean, they, they, they really don't score a ton. Um, and they've had so many issues with health. And, and I know they've got some guys out along the uh, offensive line. Um, I said Ohio State, but I meant Michigan State. They have Michigan State at the end of the season. They have already lost to Ohio State. That wound has, has already happened. Um, but, yeah, so, so they, they've got some injuries here, um, and it'll be interesting to see what they can do. One, one thing that I will look at, uh, for as good as Rutgers rushing defense is, 20th in EPA, they're 100th in EPA per pass. Clems, uh, P uh, Penn State's aggregate numbers look really bad in passing, 108th in EPA, 122nd in passing success. That bakes in a lot of times where Sean Clifford was not healthy, especially earlier in the season. I think when they have Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington out uh, outside, they have a really nice kind of two-man ball they can play there. So uh, I, I don't see Rutgers as a team that's very disruptive up front. Penn State can give Clifford some time. Maybe Clifford can 
uh, get some big plays with those with those two guys downfield. But th- this one to me, just because of kind of the the context surrounding the game and 17 and a half is a lot. I certainly don't want to bet Rutgers. I'm only projecting them at uh, a little more than a touchdown in this game. Uh, but but again, I don't know that I trust Penn State to score enough to cover 17 and a half. I, I get where Parker's coming from. Kyle, uh, Penn State, number 15 and 20 plus yard plays allowed. Rutgers on offense, number 124 in 20-plus yard explosive plays, uh, they are going to have to find a way to to sustain drives and certainly hope that Penn State gives them the football somewhere that they're not supposed to get it, right? And Rutgers has had a lot of success doing that. Uh, Give me your your feel on this one. So I recognize that this is not like a a popular play or anything like that, but I have to take Rutgers in this one. Seven and zero against the spread in their last seven games as a road underdog. Shiano gets his team to play hard. Look, they have plenty of weaknesses as a team, but they're gonna they're gonna compete. They're gonna fight. Um, uh, they want to become bowl eligible. They've got two shots at it. I think this is gonna be very important to them. Uh, the other thing about this game is James Franklin's teams are six and twenty-two against the spread, coming off a straight-up loss. So bouncing back from the loss has not been very good for Penn State. And this is definitely a bad spot for Penn State, about as bad as they come. Off a really tough loss to Michigan, they they probably should have won that game. And then uh, at Michigan State on the schedule next week, this feels like that sleepy spot where Penn State comes out and is, is fine with winning by 10 or 14 points in a game like this. I do think uh, Penn State will win this game. The Rutgers defense, um, 22nd success rate allowed. A feisty defense. They've given up some big plays. They gave up a, a bunch of big plays to Ohio State. Um, I think Shiano pulls out all the tricks here. You know, we see uh, we've seen him do that before. Uh, I don't think he's going to be afraid to do that here. Uh, Rutgers is not explosive on offense, and I certainly considered betting the under in this game as well because I think it'll be low scoring. But if you think it's going to be low scoring and you're getting 17 points, it's pretty enticing. So I'm going to take Rutgers in this one. I tend to like it. Uh... TR Sports Biloxi said Rutgers was plus six versus Indiana in turnovers. Wow. Um, and then P. Matt said, I won Rutgers money line last week, but they will suffer this week, I fear. I can totally understand because situational betting is a real thing, right? Trying to get guys amped up this week when you know that you've got Michigan State next week and it's a dreary noon game at home. Everybody knows you're supposed to win, but you just lost last week. When you were supposed to, or you felt like you could have won that ball game, yeah, I can totally understand it. Let's uh, let's make it an official play for Kyle. He's going to take the Scarlet Knights plus seventeen on the road in Happy Valley, and I uh, I can totally see where you're coming from on it. The next game on the board, we got another Big Ten matchup, and this one uh, another dreary noon game. No, I'm sorry, this is a two p.m. Eastern game. That's <laughs> there is no one in front of that two there. The Iowa Hawkeyes are at home a 12.5-point favorite over the Illinois Fighting Illini. The total sits at 38.5. That's right. Another total under 40 in a Big Ten matchup. I like it. This is old man football at its best. Last season, Iowa won this 35-21. to Iowa has seven straight wins in the series. They are 5-2 and two against the number against Illinois. Head coach Brett Bielema for the Illini will be out this game. He tested positive for covid so he has to sit out this week. Um, I will say this. The ones that I have heard of, it has not really affected those teams one way or the other. Uh, Lane Kiffin, the the biggest one this season uh, in his first game, 
against Louisville, uh, Ole Miss covered anyway. The offense looked great anyway. They looked perfectly fine. Nick Saban last season missed the game against Auburn. Alabama won anyway. Alabama covered anyway. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Illinois is Ole Miss or Alabama. Uh, <laughs> far from it, actually. But uh, Illinois has covered three straight on the road against Minnesota, Penn State, and Purdue. They are 6-4 and four against the spread this season. Like, this is not a bad football team. Uh, Iowa is 1-4 and four against the spread their last five as a 10-plus point home favorite, and they are 1-3 and three against the spread in their last four games. Alex Padilla looks to be the quarterback. Uh, Parker, I want to start off with you. This looks very similar to the Rutgers-Penn State game. Uh, Iowa doesn't allow explosive plays. Illinois doesn't create them. Um, I mean, this is a battle of the number 90 and the number 117 offensive points per drive teams. What do you see in this matchup? see a lot of defense. see uh, the clock going pretty quickly here because uh, both teams rushing uh, a good about. You know, Iowa, God love them, still throws the ball a lot for how bad they are at it. They're 56th in early downs rush rate. Uh, Illinois has kind of embraced the the Bielema, and they're 126th in early downs rush rate. They are rushing on 74.3 of their non-garbage uh, first and second downs. That's just absurd. They're pretty okay at it, 36 in EPA per rush. So I wonder if they can find some success there. Um, where they really shine, I think, is on defense. You know, they're 10th in EPA per pass, uh, unadjusted for opponent. That You know, Ryan Walters really has that defense uh, smart and aware and, and able to do some things that you wouldn't expect that talent level to do. So um, I think in a game like this where you just have a paucity of offense and you have two pretty great defenses, um, the, you know, chaos is going to rain. And so that kind of scares me off of it. Also, my total is 12 exactly. And so... I, you know, I, I can't make a pick here either way on a side. I, I definitely would lean towards the under. I'm projecting uh, just 28 po- points total. So I, I would lean towards an under here. But in terms of a side, I mean, that's almost uh, that's almost betting on, on the way that the football is going to bounce, you know? Oh, yes. Oh, I totally understand it. I was front seven. Uh, Kyle, I want to get you in here. Their front seven is number 76 in stuff rate. Uh, I feel like Illinois is going to be able to have success with running back uh, Chase Brown here. You know, Illinois number 40 in defensive adjusted sack rate. Iowa's number 102 in that metric on offense. This seems like a little bit of a mismatch. Uh, And with that said, just looking at the numbers, uh, you have brought this up to me multiple times before. Uh, A double-digit favorite in a game that has a total less than 40, I got pretty good odds here. So I I am going to roll Illinois. Like, that's going to be an official play for me, but I want to get your thoughts on this one. Guys, you know me well enough by now. There's no chance I'm laying these points with Iowa with this kind of total. Uh, my total is definitely lower than what the market has this total set at. Uh, you know, it's hard to take under 38 and a half, but it makes sense this game would be extremely low scoring. I think Illinois' defense is better than most people think they are. Uh, Kirby Joseph has been a great safety for them, third at PFF in coverage grade among all safeties in the country. He's ahead of Lewis Klein from Georgia and just behind Jordan Battle of Alabama. So uh, really, really helping that pass defense. And like Parker said, Iowa continues to think that they can pass well for some reason. It hasn't worked out, but they they just continue to do it. Now, obviously, Iowa's defense is tremendous. And, um, you know, I like Ference as a coach. uh, But Illinois has been a sneaky good underdog this year. I mean, they've pulled some of those upsets, certainly. How can you trust Iowa to cover a big spread like this? I feel like this is one of those bets, guys, where if Iowa covers and you bet it, you should just feel like you got away with one. You know, you can't lay this many points with this low of a total very often and be a winning sports better in the long run. Uh, regardless of who's a quarterback for Iowa, they're not very good. 
Um, I was 121st in yards per play on offense. A total of 38 and a half points laying double digits. No way I'd be interested in that. And how about this system, guys? It's a little bit different than the one I've said before. So this is conference games only and road underdogs of seven points or more with a total of 45 points or lower. So we're taking a road dog of seven points or bigger with a total of 45 or lower, 220 and 135 uh, since 2006. That's 62% ATS covers uh, in a long period of time, 15 years is a long time. So all this to say, I, I like Gary's look here in this game. Uh, I've seen dumber bets also than Illinois money line. I think it at least has a chance. So um, I, I lean to the under certainly, and I, and I lean toward Illinois pretty strongly. I am certainly not going to bet the money line on this one. I will <laughs> take those 12 and a half and I will take them all the way to the bank. Uh, yes, even though Bielema is out, even though uh, Spencer Petrus, somebody had jumped into the chat and I don't see it anymore. It looks like the chat's actually moving. Pretty good, but somebody had said uh, that Petrus is, there he is, big trouble jack. Hearing Petrus is practicing, uh, like you said, Kyle, I don't think it necessarily matters. I don't think it matters. I, this doesn't seem like an Iowa team that's going to put up a ton of points anyway, and Illinois kind of in the same ballpark. I think they'll have success on the ground. I think we'll see a moving clock. This is an official play for me. Give me the Illini plus 12 and a half. We have got one more game to go, and then we're going to jump into the Q&A uh, we've already got several, several questions in. If you have another game that we have not discussed, go ahead and get that in there, and we will talk about it. Um, the next game, East Carolina headed to Navy. The Pirates are a four-point favorite, total of 47 here. And you look at some of these numbers, it, it kind of scares me because I like East Carolina here. Navy won 27-23 last season. They have won and covered five straight against East Carolina at Navy number 11 in explosive defense. They don't give up a ton of big plays, uh, but I wonder if Holt Naylor's can find holes in that defense. The, the thing that scares me, you start looking at betting trends, all that ECU seven and one against the spread, their last eight on the road, seven and zero against the spread, their last seven against FBS teams this season. Like they have really picked up and the books have not caught up to the improvement that Mike Houston has made with this pirates team. Um, Navy 5-2 and two against the spread in their last seven. They are 3-0 and oh against the spread. Their last three is a home underdog. And the biggest one here, Navy, up until last season, had won 17 straight games at home on senior day. They really take this game seriously for a myriad of reasons, obviously. Last season, they did not win it, but they had no fans in the stands. There was no atmosphere, and, and Navy was... Pretty putrid last year. This is definitely a, an improved version of them. Uh, Kyle, I want to start off with you because I, uh, Parker has an official play on this one. I, when I look at you know net points per drive and all that, I mean, everything just kind of leans ECU's offense and everything else, but their defense has been really, really good. Their stuff rate is number 23 in the country. Uh, that could certainly, certainly hurt Navy's ability to run the football. You, uh, you got an idea on this one? This is a fascinating handicap to me because um, I had East Carolina last week, and that was a nice win for them, really good win to become bowl eligible with that upset win over Memphis. Is this a flat spot for East Carolina or not? I mean, you, you could argue it either way. Uh, Navy's strength of schedule is 18th, according to Sagarin. East Carolina, 87th. So big difference there in the strength of schedule. Uh, there are a few things about this game that concern me for East Carolina. Situational spot, certainly less than great. 
East Carolina is 16th in passing play success rate allowed and 50th in rushing play success rate allowed. Um, look, I mean, you guys are from the South, so I think I can say this here. Navy ain't going to be passing in this game. You know, this is it's a Navy team that is going to run the football over and over again. Uh, so it doesn't really matter that East Carolina is good against the pass because it's not going to happen in this game. East Carolina is 58th in special teams grade at PFF. Uh, Navy is 93rd. So uh, Navy's field position uh, numbers are pretty ugly, and I, I'm sure Parker's all over that one as well. It, the question is, what can East Carolina do uh, passing the ball? Because Navy kind of, we talked about this earlier with Air Force, and, and Navy is even worse at this. They don't play passing attacks very often, and I think Holt Naylor should be able to throw the ball on them. Uh, the question for me is, uh, who's going to come up with stops here? I know this is a low total, and it's a low total because the teams play slowly. There's going to be a lot of running. But Navy did run for 288 yards on East Carolina last year and 315 the year before. I think Navy can run it. I think East Carolina can pass it. Um, yeah, I, I don't even know what I would do as far as this game. It's just a, it's just a fascinating handicap. So I'm, I'm excited to see what Parker has on this one. Parker, uh, you know, East Carolina's won three straight. They got bowl eligible. Um, I don't think that the numbers necessarily align with the situational spot, much like Kyle and I were talking about. Give me, uh, give me your thoughts on this one. Look, Gary, I, I hear you about Senior Day and I hear you about Navy, but Eastern Carolina is the Pirates. What do Pirates do? They steal things. I think the East Carolina is going to come <laughs> in and they're going to steal things. Man, you saw that interview with the head coach last week. He's crying about ball eligibility. That's awesome. That's the best of college football. ECU, 6-2 and two in their last eight games. They've won three straight. Uh, really great vibes out, out of the Pirates here. Um, I, I think one thing to point out, because Kyle, I also looked at that strength of schedule. And I think the strength of schedule difference here between ECU and Navy is based on two things. Navy played at Notre Dame. Navy played Marshall, right? Those are kind of the non-con games there, whereas um, ECU played in their non-con. They played uh, uh, App State and Charleston Southern and South Carolina and Marshall. So it's like they, they have a common opponent there, but I think that Navy bump really helps them. And this team beat Marshall. Uh, Navy got whooped by Marshall. And Navy got whooped by North Carolina, Notre Dame, so it's like their strength of schedule was worse, but they got they got beat by a lot, uh, really really bad by those teams. I don't know if that's as articulate as I want that to be, but Navy <laughs> played harder teams and they got their behinds kicked in those harder games. So the strength of schedule thing doesn't doesn't worry me too much. Again, ECU's defense so so good. Fourth is in raw EPA per play since week five. They have uh, sixth, sixth in EPA per pass, 24th in EPA per rush, and they are 18th in, in rushing success rate. So that, that Navy cannot move the ball um, like they have been in the past. They do not have even the threat, the hint of downfield, and they have been annoying. But I think this is also kind of an under-the-radar game for Navy, too, just because they've been able to get up a couple times and keep some games close. Um, but but overall, I think ECU is really, really rolling here, and I think they've looked better in on offense the last couple of weeks. So uh, I have this as, as ECU by a touchdown. I'm happy to take four points here on the road. Um, I think the Pirates, man, they're uh, – they're gonna they're gearing up and they're gonna give Cincinnati all that Cincinnati can ask for here next uh, next week. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and make this official. East Carolina minus four is the play for Parker. And yes, I agree with you. I think Cincinnati is going to have their hands full here. They're coming off of a game against SMU this week that they could end up having quite a bit of trouble with in that one as well. Uh, but, I mean, good gracious! Since he's got it lined up against them over the next however many weeks, this is going to be interesting to see what the Bearcats do there. But you are rolling East Carolina here. 
and I can totally understand it. Totally makes sense. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into the Q&A, and we have got several questions here. The first one is not about a game. Big Trouble Jack asked earlier, um, let's see, how do coaching changes in season affect betting? Now, I, I'm really curious your thoughts on these. I don't know that it affects it long-term. I think there can be a jump from uh, the week after they get fired through whenever, because uh, we certainly saw it with TCU. TCU fires Gary Patterson, and the very next week they come up and, and beat BYU, not BYU, Baylor outright as a as a dog. I Parker, let's start with you on this. Do you uh, you have a feel on this one? Um. Yeah, so I'm a robot, and uh, most of the time in my numbers, I treat you know just inputs and outputs, right? And so some of that stuff I, I don't consider. Even that TCU game, um, I, I had that projected as Baylor 31, TCU 30, and, and Baylor missed field goal. So like I, I mean, uh, I, some of that stuff I don't know that it affects. Uh, you know, there there certainly is like the situational spot, but I don't have any systematic read on that. A lot of times, I'm going to use a really annoying word here. Uh, endogeneity is a problem. Endogeneity just means other things are moving. So it's not like a team is really, really good and then they fire their coach and then, oh, now I'm going to update. It's it's normally they're really, really bad. And that doesn't really change a lot about what happens um, on the team. So generally, I, I don't have a strong um, switch there. There are, you know, there are a couple spots where it's like, hey, this guy, um, this weekend, Mel Tucker's getting the extension. That's like, you know, that's a curse, right? Um, but but generally, I don't have a systematic way to do that. No, I mean, that certainly makes sense. The the most that you can expect in that situation, because obviously the coach is getting fired because the team is bad, you might expect a dead cat bounce, as we call it, if uh, the team just really did not like the guy and they were just glad to get rid of him. But if a team is bad overall, at most, you might get that one-week jump. So... You never, I say at most, of course, we have had interim coaches like uh, like Ed Orgeron at USC that ended up going 6-2 and two the rest of the way. There are ways that you can uh, go about that. Kyle, uh, what, what is your thought on this? How, how do coaching changes in season affect betting? So the biggest thing for me is it increases variance in the unknown. I don't like unknown when I'm betting on uh, college football or any sport in general. So more often than not, I like to pass on those games, just stay away from them for a couple of weeks so I can see what's going on. Maybe they change the, the way they want to play, the style, throw the football more, run the football more, things like that. Um, I know it's kind of a narrative to just say, you know, you have to just blindly bet on a team that just fired their coach. But, I mean, you could bring up plenty of uh, spots where the team that just fired their coach uh, laid an egg in the next game as well. So I don't think it's nearly as just, you know, uh, foolproof as some people would suggest. If you have some kind of reason to think that the team hated their coach, then that's a good reason to want to bet them in that next game. But sometimes that team's just really bad. So uh, in general, I consider it more variance, and I, I don't like variance. I tend to agree with you. I was the idiot that took Baylor against TCU. Uh, dumb, dumb decision by me. I thought that I had a mismatch there. It was very obvious early that I did not. I certainly did not. Uh, TR Sports Biloxi, I just I got I to gotta shout this out. Love the three of you together. Kyle is one of the top five cappers I respect, and I love Parker stats and Gary keeping things real. And that's what I'm here for. He said, you have a great thing going. Keep it up. We certainly appreciate the kind Shit. comments <laughs> because every now and then we do have people jump in whenever we have a couple of losses in a row with what are these idiots doing? Why, why do y'all have them on this channel? Yeah, we're on it to, uh, to keep things real. We, we got to keep you humble. That's, uh, and hopefully you guys will do the same for us. Let's jump into some of these games that have been asked about uh, we did have somebody ask about Auburn 
as a seven and a half point favorite at South Carolina. Total is 45. Kyle, I got to get your thought on that one. Um, Bo Nix is out for the rest of the season and well, the rest of the regular season, at least if they make a bowl game, he might be back. It's uh, it's ankle surgery that they're doing right now. So we shall see with that, but he will not be playing against South Carolina this weekend. TJ Finley will step in that role and it does not appear to have impacted the line at all. South Carolina lost at Missouri last week in a very close game. South Carolina looking to get bowl eligible at home. Uh, this could be a tricky situation for Auburn. Like If I had to go one direction or the other, I would likely lean South Carolina. A lot of variance, though. I don't know what to expect from TJ Finley. I would probably stay away from it. Kyle, what, uh, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'm going to personally uh, pass on this game, but I do see 67% of the bets are on Auburn here laying seven and a half. I wouldn't want to lay, lay the points here with Auburn. I mean, what a collapse by Auburn last week. I mean, I know we were even texting about that, guys. Like, I don't even know what happened in that game to Auburn. That was just wild stuff. Um, you know, you look up and, and the score is that much different from what it was earlier on. I don't want to bet that team in the next game laying seven and a half points on the road, especially against a South Carolina team that has been playing hard. I think they're going to try pretty hard for that bowl eligibility. Uh, I know sometimes people say bowl eligibility, you have to bet on that team at the end of the season. Uh, You can make an argument some teams aren't even that excited to try to go to a bowl game because they're disappointed in their season. You couldn't say that about South Carolina. South Carolina has been far better than people thought they would be. So I, I would certainly lean towards South Carolina in this game. Parker, uh, did you go back and watch Mississippi State and Auburn by chance? Uh, I did. I, I call it speed running. I went through and, uh, and, and and just fast forwarded through the commercials and the pumps and the kicks and everything. Yeah. Um, so what I saw in that game was they like Mississippi State did the same thing from the beginning of the game all the way through the end. It just kind of felt like Will Rogers got hot. Like, I don't know that there was any one thing because I expected, like, some change, some adjustment, whatever. I didn't really see a ton of adjustments that that were noticeable, I guess, to the naked eye uh, just watching it on the broadcast uh, because I went back and watched it a second time after actually watching it, texting with you guys. Did you notice anything that they did that, that they changed at all? Um, no, no, not really. Like it wasn't as as easy as you know. Oh, Auburn, Auburn started playing prevent defense, and then things got away from them, and they were slow to adjust, which is kind of what I assumed was happening. But generally, Auburn just kind of slowed way down on offense and stalled on offense, and were content to just run clock out. And and I think Mike Leach just had a really good halftime speech for Will Rogers and said, "Hey, I don't need you to throw the ball uh, with 100% accuracy 30 yards downfield." Um, you know, I need you to make the six yard pass and then get up and do it again. And and it, they just executed in the second half. I, I really don't think it was as much an adjustment as kind of a, a collective calming down, which speaks to what Leach has been able to do to kind of um, have that team, um, you know, conditioned to be able to respond at halftime like that. I thought that was really, really impressive. Um, I Man, it's hard to not see the wind completely going out of Auburn sails. Raw numbers in this game, I have South Carolina by one. So... Uh, that, that makes me so nervous, but you look at it and I mean, their offense was so bad against Texas A&M. Um, and, and, and I really feel like they've only, they've only looked very good in, in against Arkansas and against Ole Miss and the rest of the season, man, they've just been so streaky. So, um, I, I, I do think I'd give an edge to South Carolina here, but, um, cause seven and a half is a lot of points, but yeah. That's, I, I feel like if Bo Nix was still playing, this line might be eight, eight and a half, maybe. 
and we might be able to get even more value with South Carolina because I do feel like it was maybe it's tough to say complacency, but either way, I would uh, I would roll South Carolina here just as a lean. Uh, if you got to play it in like an office pool or something like that, that'd be the way to go. But I I don't know that I would actually put anything more than maybe some pizza money on that. Uh, we do have two more that we had questions about. Steven wanted to know Florida Atlantic against Western Kentucky. Uh, that one is at the Hilltoppers. Western Kentucky, a 10-point favorite there. Uh, I will go ahead and tell you, for me, I would roll Western Kentucky here at home. Uh, FAU like has not covered the spread in four of the last five games. They've lost two in a row. They got beat by 15 by Marshall. They uh, they got beat by two touchdowns against Old Dominion last week. Only put up 16 points. Uh, but that's just it's a lean. Like it's it's nothing crazy. The Hilltoppers, by the way, five and one against the spread in their last six home games. Uh, Kyle, you got a you got a thought on Western Kentucky on this one? I always want to lean toward Western Kentucky. I like their coaching staff. I like what they're doing with Bailey Zapp. I think 10 points is fair. I do. I think I would lean toward Western Kentucky. I also lean to the under in this game. Western Kentucky's defense has been a bit better than some people thought they would be. Uh, pretty good improvement. If you just look at recent games, Western Kentucky's defense is definitely coming along. They gave up a bunch of yards against the teams like uh, Army you know, early in the season, but lately they've been pretty good. Florida Atlantic, uh, kind of just a team without an identity to me. I don't, I don't love their coaching staff in general, so... Uh, definitely lean Western Kentucky and, and I'll lean toward the under. Parker, what about you? Anything to like about Florida Atlantic here? There was a point in time when Florida Florida Atlantic's passing defense was legit. Uh, obviously, there's been a lot of circumstances around that. And so that's why I don't I haven't gone for Western Kentucky here, but I could certainly understand a bet here, man. I mean, they, they've won what five, six straight, five straight. And yeah. if you look at their losses on the season, this I just need to say this out loud to externally process this. Three point loss at Michigan State, uh, two-point loss to Indiana, three-point loss to Army, and six-point loss to UTSA. That's that's Western Kentucky. That's not that's not like a down, you know, that's not like Cincinnati in a down year or something. That is Western gosh dang Kentucky in one-score losses all over the place. Really, really impressive what they've been able to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think they could put up points. But, again, theoretically, Florida Atlantic secondary has been good. So I'm a little nervous there, but generally I, I, would, I would be fine with a bet for Western Kentucky. Totally makes sense. And then one more, uh, Big Trouble Jack did jump in and wanted to know about Nebraska and Wisconsin. Um Looking at it right now, the line here is Wisconsin minus nine at home. Total of 42 in this one. Uh, Nebraska 5-4-1 and one against the spread so far this year. They're 3-7 and seven straight up. And Wisconsin has just, after starting out 1-3, and three, they have been on an absolute tear here. Uh, Badgers 5-0 and oh against the spread their last five conference games. I mean, they are rocking and rolling. Uh, you, you look at what Nebraska has done, though, lately, and yeah. I mean, not not super impressive here. Uh, they have not covered in in four straight. Uh, da, 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 da. Nah, that's not right. Hold on. They're pulling up my numbers here. Uh, they did not cover against. Oh, they covered last time out against Ohio State. They had a bye week last week. It was uh, three straight that they did not cover against Purdue, against Minnesota, and against Michigan. They didn't cover that that two and a half closing line. I uh, I don't know what to make of Nebraska. I think maybe there could be a little uh, rejuvenation, maybe, if that is even a word. I may have just made that up on the spot. 
But them bringing back Scott Frost, like maybe they are trying to figure some stuff out in this game. Nine points does seem like a lot, uh, especially for, you know, a, a total that's only 42. But, man, Wisconsin has been whipping people. This will be a stay away for me. Parker, I want to start with you, and then Kyle, I want you to uh, to close it out. Since week five, Wisconsin's defense has been better than Georgia's. Hoo-hoo. Yeah, well, uh, that's – yeah. Okay. Okay, so I guess that would have to be – is that opponent-adjusted? Because No. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, if you look at who Wisconsin's played, that's not insane. Wisconsin's True. playing excellent defense. They're um, allowing only 24.6 of possessions to be quality possessions. They're allowing 1.93 points per quality possession. Um, they are, are first in early downs EPA, third and fourth down success. They're fourth overall. The question is, um, you know, ne- Nebraska's defense is 46th uh, in that same span overall in EPA. And, and so I, I just wonder if Wisconsin could score enough to get nine in a game that's going to be very, very low. I'd lean more towards an under than I would a Wisconsin cover here just because of Nebraska's penchant for keeping things close. But Wisconsin's defense is so good. This is going to be low scoring, and I don't know how much Wisconsin will score. All right, so Kyle, before I get you to give your idea on this one, uh, since they lost to Michigan, this is who they have played. They gave up zero to Illinois. They gave up 14 to Army. They gave up 13 to Purdue. Not bad. Uh, gave up seven to Iowa, three to Rutgers, and then seven to Northwestern last week. So not exactly a murderer's row, but yeah, I could totally see it. I could totally see it. Kyle, uh, what do you see on this one? Yeah, um, the showing against the Army and Purdue, pretty good, certainly there. But yeah, some of the recent guys, uh, the ones that they've played against have not been great. Uh, Parker kind of said exactly what I was going to say right there is that Nebraska has this penchant for um, losing close games, winning the stats somehow. I don't think they'll win the stats in this game, to be honest, but uh, I don't want to lay this many points with this low of a total, but I don't want to bet against Wisconsin. Wisconsin's playing extremely well right now. Graham Mertz has really played much better. And I know they lost uh, the one running back, but they, they do have good running backs in general. The offensive line play has been good. I don't know if Nebraska can score very many points in this game, so I don't want to take Nebraska. Like Parker, my lean here is the under. I I agree with both of you. I agree with both of you. I would not play a side in this game. I like the under because I don't think Nebraska is going to be able to score, uh, but also don't know that Wisconsin will be able to do a whole lot either against that Nebraska defense, which is actually uh, better than people would assume. So, you know, I would certainly like an under in this ballgame. Uh, just in case, uh, 008 said, how about Arkansas covering against Bama? Sorry, I tuned in late. Uh, actually, we are going to discuss that one tomorrow. Give you a little sneak peek. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the recap. We'll close out this show, get out of here, give you guys a little time at home and whatnot, whatever you're doing. Parker, let's start off with, uh, with you. What do you like today? So I'm going to go with four plays. Um, I like Ohio State to run it up against Michigan State. I like Wake Forest to keep it close, uh, four and a half against Clemson. Florida State, I think, is a sneaky good bet. Uh, They're at Boston College, but they are – I have them winning outright. And then, again, uh, the Pirates, uh, ECU at Navy minus four, I think, is a good bet. I like it. I am going to roll Central Michigan this evening. That game kicks off here in just a little bit. Uh, but Central Michigan, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I liked it much better when they were a two-point underdog, but I will still take them at two-and-a-half. Anything under a field goal I feel good about. Louisville minus 20 on the road at Duke. I think they are going to blow out the Blue Devils by four touchdowns, so give me Louisville under three touchdowns there. Wake Forest plus four-and-a-half at Clemson. I think they win the game outright. Give me the Demon Deacons. And Illinois plus 12-and-a-half 
at Iowa. I don't see a lot of points in this ball game. It is tough to score uh, against both of these defenses. So give me the Illini plus 12 and a half. Kyle, what you got for us? I'm going to take Nevada minus one and a half. I'm going to take Michigan State and Ohio State over 68 and a half. And finally, I will take Rutgers plus the 17 against Penn State this week. I like it. All right. Go ahead and tell everybody again, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. Another quick reminder, if you are still tuned in right now and we've got a ton of people watching, not nearly as many people that have liked the video, go ahead and like the video. But if you're watching right now, next week, if you are tuning in on Wednesday night, we are going an hour early and we are going to be rocking and rolling for a longer show than usual, getting ready for the Thanksgiving weekend. we got rivalry week. We've got a ton of games that we will be trying to hit. So make sure and tune in early. And that's where that notification bell comes in handy. Hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. So we will be 4 p.m. Eastern time next week. So keep on tabs with that. However, tomorrow's show, the late slate for week 12, will be at 12 p.m. Eastern time, just like usual. So comment with your picks. We want to hear what you've got to say, of course. Share the show out. Tell your friends about it. All that good stuff. And make sure to sign up. Over at BetUS.com, where the game begins, use the promo code NCAAF2021. It's going to give you a 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500. And guys, it is sportsbook exclusive. There's a link in the description. You can click on it. It's going to toss that promo code in there for you. Very easy to do. As a matter of fact, I see the link is actually in the chat right there. You can click that. It's going to open up another window, and you can go ahead and get, uh, get signed up. Sportsbook exclusive. Knock that thing out. Gentlemen, this has been a lot of fun, and we need to go back to our cells and, <laughs> and get our notes together because we got a big day tomorrow as well. Many more games to discuss. Make sure and join us on Thursday at 12 p.m. For BetUS, we will see you all again tomorrow.